I have some really exciting news, guys. Hmm. I'm going to New Jersey. Oh boy, I'm so sorry to hear that. In your in your brand new running <laughs> Land Cruiser? <laughs> no. Oh no. man. No. Uh, no. I actually don't have any cars right now. I was telling you guys before we started recording that our family suburban that is uh, a 2019, still pretty new, fairly new, you know. Yeah. Uh, something crazy happened yesterday, so now we are carless. I mean, other that's than really, the ones that that's really we're unusual borrowing. that a brand new car would do that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not brand new, I guess, but it's some weird electrical something or other. But the frustrating thing is that we just don't have a car. We're borrowing cars for the week, you know, while it's in the shop. But oh, yeah. man, easy. with four kids and like band and soccer and soccer and soccer and soccer, it's just <laughs> having cars is really handy and uh, we don't right now. But anyway, please, please. I'm going to to New Jersey and I'm not driving a car. I'm flying there. Please let everybody know how many non-running cars you have. <laughs> four. I'll follow it up. Yeah, four. By the way, every one of my cars runs and drives and is insured and registered. By the oh, way. aren't you fancy? <laughs> <laughs> now, actually, the Green Cruiser runs. It runs, but it has two seats and no brake lights. So, you know, not a great family vehicle. But, hmm. yeah, so I do have three non-running cars. Anyway, I'm going to New Jersey for uh, kind of a weird thing. I'm, Is that so, something you can promote? Yeah. I mean, I'm supposed to promote it, but by the time people hear this, it will have already happened. It's going to happen oh. tomorrow. Oh. Um, and I guess you could go back and watch it if you want to. But the the thing that's kind of neat about it, so I'm going up with a, it's a sponsored live stream with Scott's Lawn Care. So like Scott's, they you know do grass seed and stuff. And they're doing this live stream in a yard that they planted and they're having all these different people come and do different things back there. So, like, I'm I'm building a birdhouse on the yard. Andrew Huang is either going or already went. I don't remember. And I guess he's making music in there. And then there's, like, some oh, wow. baseball guy that's doing some mini, like, a little league type game in the backyard. And there's, like, different things that they're doing every few days. So, they asked me to come build a birdhouse and didn't give me any, like, no guardrails. It was just like, birdhouse, be creative. <laughs> like, okay, cool. So, if there's a Walmart nearby, it. just go there and get one of mine. They're probably oh, cheap now. Okay. Um, so, what I ended up doing was designing a tiny A-frame birdhouse, and so I'm building an A-frame, oh, and it's cute. all laser cut acrylic. So I cut the interior like the rib, the A ribs, you know, that build the structure of the thing uh, out of white acrylic. And then I've got black that's going to act as the roof and ribs to make it look like metal roofing. And it's got a loft in it and it's got a floor and it's got a front porch and it's got a little picket fence around the yard. Oh, wow. I 3D printed like tiny Adirondack chairs and a fire pit and a couch. And (laughs) so I'm taking all of these pieces which this I is your model for your house. I mean, pretty much, yeah. It's yeah. The scale's different from what I would want, you know. But it was interesting to you like. You don't want a just house take, that's twelve inches tall. You want to well, you know what I mean. Like the the loft <laughs> size compared to the bottom floor size is different than what I would want. But it was interesting to think about like what makes an A frame an A frame, other than just the profile, you know, like interior wise, and scale it down and just try to draw it up and. Infusion, so I, I made a tiny little A-frame infusion and laser cut the entire thing, so it's all flat packable. So I'm taking this little stack of plastic with me in a carry-on, and they're supposed to have glue there, <laughs> so hopefully they'll have glue, and then I can just put it together on this live stream. So if you're if you're somehow a time traveler and you want to go back yesterday and watch this thing that I'm doing tomorrow, um, you can watch that live stream. Give us the name. What's the brand? It's Scott's. Uh, so it's Scott's Lawn Care is the the YouTube channel that it'll be on. Okay. Yeah. And it's going to be a couple hours. It sounds like it's pretty chill. Like there's no host or anything that I'm aware of. I'm just going to show up in this yard and there's already cameras there watching the birds and stuff. And Get off my lawn. They're going to they're gonna plop a table down and I'm going to build a thing and then I'm going to fly back tomorrow night. <laughs> so That's a long day. It is going to be a very long day. I have to get up at 3.30, I think I figured. 
I'll get back here at midnight. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, that's what I'm doing tomorrow. Wow. And this week, I've just been designing and cutting that thing. And, you know, I had to order a bunch of acrylic to, to do it. So I was really hesitant to actually start cutting because I was afraid if I did something wrong, I don't have time to get more acrylic here. Um, but that was kind of the beauty of doing it in Fusion is there were no kind of unknowns, you know, no guesswork to it. Just cut the frame like the the triangles for the A's, broke them into three pieces, added little dovetail joints in between them so that I know they kind of snap together. And um, just cut a bunch of each piece. And so I had all the structure and everything. It's pretty cool. How big will it be when it's all put together? It is 12 inches deep, and the sides of the A are 15 and a half. So I don't know exactly what the height is, but, you know, somewhere in there, 14 or something. Yeah, it's good size. Is that, is that, are you going to sell those plans online? It could be a set of, like, um, yeah, a set of files that somebody could laser cut and make one on their own. I, it, it's kind of a weird thing to put outside, which is why I did it in acrylic. Because if you did it out of wood, it'd be a great like snap together kit or something for somebody. But then you know MDF is not going to last outside, and there's no really thin that I'm aware of. There's no really thin pressure treated wood that would mm-hmm. be a good replacement for it so we promoted my birdhouse that you would like put it under a ledge or something i have one on my back porch mm. so it's not indirect rain yeah or direct but i mean i think two people bought it so i called those <laughs> two people directly and told them how to... <laughs> that was nice comes with yeah. a free phone call yeah <laughs> they have my phone numbers on the package <laughs> that would not surprise me at all actually <laughs> yeah no kidding <laughs> assembly instructions (laughs) but yeah i might make the plans or the files available in case somebody wants to make one maybe i don't know i don't know if there's any interest in that or not but anyway what have you guys been up to Mm, dave you go Mm. uh this week uh i we're working on we're doing some sign making so hand cut letters on a scroll saw and a band saw and i've done a lot of this but i don't know that i've done much of this ever on on camera so it's um it's i'm I'm trying to take a different approach to the video because it's such a simple little thing so um it's experimental and if it doesn't come out next week it was a little too experimental and i needed to rethink it so um, <laughs> it's funny when when, when i go when i approach this and i'm sure everybody does a video that's as simple as this you think to yourself I'm going to come up with some cinematic genius to make this the most interesting-looking, <laughs> boring exactly. video that I could yep. possibly think of. <laughs> yep, I'm yep, going to yep. use my snorkel lens. I'm going to use soft focus. And then you just do it, and you go, like, it's just another bandsaw video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's funny you mentioned that. So we played with some little bit more, I guess, dramatic lighting, some more direct lighting with dark backgrounds. And I get the footage in, and I'm like, ah, yeah, I could have lit that better. I could have done that better. And so there's going to be some like talking head voiceover stuff. It's just a little bit different than, than normal. And um, I don't think it'll be done. That it won't be done in time for this weekend. So it would likely be the following weekend. And if it doesn't come out, it means I scrapped it and decided to do something a little bit more. Make something traditional. Hmm. Do you think that would that be a stressful like replacement last minute kind of replacement for you, or are you already thinking about alternatives? Uh, I'm already thinking about alternatives. I I do. So it's it's kind of art based, and it is something I wanted. I say this all the time for years. I do want to do more of. I just haven't figured out a good way to do it for the channel for it to be worth my time filming. Um, and so it's. Uh, whether there's a video or not, it will be a piece that will be for for sale. So there is there's that, and mm-hmm. there is actually going to be a lot more pieces for sale in the future. It's it's something I want to get into. That's cool. That is not so, something I think I would ever have the 
this I don't know how to say this. I don't think I would have the guts to sell something that I made for a video. Uh, uh, it's um, I've been thinking about this for a while, and and as I've been saying, I want to get a little bit more artsy and creative. I've been saying that for a while. It's now now's a, now's a good time for me to to do so, as I've been experimenting with other videos. Why not experiment with like non-functional pieces and um, and see if we can revive the, the the Etsy store. We'll see. Oh yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, I'm interested to see how it turns out. I'm experimenting with my lighting. Don't I look much better now? You look oh, man. beautiful. Yeah. Wow. You set the mood. It sounds better. Too. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> what have I been up to? I'm working on a, one of the gravestones from the graveyard that I found half buried in the ground. I did some research on findagrave.com. And I found pictures of my graveyard photographs that were taken in the 80s then uploaded when the internet came around. And in this one particular picture I found from 1980, this gravestone is buried halfway. So half of it is in the ground. But if you didn't know anybody, you would just assume it was short. And then by the time I got the grave, the graveyard, that particular stone was out of the ground and leaning on another one nearby. So me and Wade the millennial stone cleaner who helped me in the backyard, we, we isolated. We said, okay, maybe the, maybe this is where it was, so let's just dig. Well, we didn't know it was broken in half. We knew it was missing parts, but he said, maybe they're here. I should say that again. We knew it was missing parts, and he just guessed, let's look where the picture was, and we dug down, and I found almost another 20 inches of the stone broken in half. So I found two 10-inch pieces that belonged to the same stone that was above ground for so many years. These were below ground. The carving on them is much more preserved than what was above ground. So I found this thing was broken ultimately into f four, six pieces, five pieces. And so I've been working on attaching all those pieces together. I'll show you guys pictures. So I have a, a framework. It's kind of the inspiration is the Rosetta Stone. If you guys have ever been to the British Museum, it's there on steel wires. So you could kind of look at it and... I, I approach this like a museum piece. So if you look at this, do you see the back? That's stainless steel. Oh, yeah. So I made a stainless mm. steel frame around it. I didn't want to use epoxy, but I had to because this, this stone is so flaky. So that's what the front will look like. You won't see any, any glue at all. The glue will be, if it shows at all, it'll show in the back. And I'm going to drill little tiny holes and pin the marble front into the frame. So nothing should fall out again. When I put those pins into the stone, I'm going to weld them. So that's one of the videos I'm working on. And then I'm also working on the bell. I showed you guys the bell, I think maybe in the after show last week. I'm working on a bell and I'm taking the approach. It's real, it's, it's many ways of casting things. And looking online, I said, you know what? Let me approach this like a piece of jewelry. And I made a casting of my hand-formed bell that I made on the lathe. I made a casting of it in pink jeweler's wax and then i oh. buried the jeweler's wax into basically like plaster but it's really mm. called investment and it's what you would pour molten metal into so i have the mold of the investment now i have to put it in the pottery kiln and burn out the wax and then make a cavity to pour in molten brass molten so it's brass. all exciting and mm. scary at the same time have you done brass? I'm sure you have. Brass casting? Like just that. in small bits. Yeah, this will be the biggest one I cast, so this might be a total failure. And if it is, I'm just going to have to chalk it up and try it. But I still have the. I have a pretty decent mold, so I could make several versions of it. I could try it over and over is the point. Well, so, so how... that? I mean, that's a one-time use mold, though, right? Well, I have, a, I have a silicone mold that I could make the waxes over and over again in. Oh, I see. Gotcha. Yeah, and then yeah, the other one, I think what you do is you could chip it away, but you could also soak it in water, and it deteriorates in water, maybe. But I'll figure that out. As long as I get a clean cast, I'll, I'll, the, the other part is easy, getting it out of there, because I'll just chip it apart and wire brush it off. But it's got it's got words on it. I was nervous that the words were going to give me some... The inscription is raised, so I was real worried about that giving me some problems while I was casting. Which is why I chose to go this route versus trying to do a sand cast with with uh, psyllium, uh, sodium silicate sand. 
because I'm afraid that if I try and demold it, the letters are in the round and they're raised up. I'm afraid the letters are going to be an undercut and pull sand out of the, the letters. So I, I figured I'd choose this route. This way I burn it out. I have the kiln. I could burn it out. I just got to put it so it burns out into like a steel cask underneath it. And I could probably reuse the wax. It's funny. You, you, when I made the mold of it, I thought the sides were so thin. I'm like, I got a really good, nice thin wall here. The wall's like half inch thick, which makes me nervous. So the wall's really thick on this yeah. bell. The bell's going to weigh like 50 pounds. It's going to go dong. When you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If I if I, I'll get something, whether I get a casting that has the detailed inscription or not, is going to be the hard part. But I'll get something. So it's uh, it's it's interesting. We'll see what happens. So what uh, if if the lettering didn't come out, or if you were to make the bell without the lettering on it in the first place, would there be a clear path to making those letters separately and like soldering them onto the outside, or is that not? I mean, it's not impossible, but it's it's a tremendous amount of work because mm. the way I put the letters on it, I laser cut cardboard that was about a millimeter thick, and I laid the letters on one at a time by hand with oh. little PVA glue, and then when I painted it, it encapsulated the letters into the form, kind of in- integrated it so there was no undercuts under the letters, so I gave it several coats of paint, and then that paint flowed under the letters and made it all seem like one. And then from that, I made my silicone mold. Right. So then my silicone's got some pretty good impressions in it. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. Interesting and complicated at the same time, but I'm just using methods that are ancient. Something's got to work. <laughs> <laughs> That's a t-shirt right there. That's Something's what my sign says. Yeah. <laughs> Does it? No, 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 no. <laughs> it does now. <laughs> yeah. Something's got to work, but it's, uh, you know, it's maybe this is a topic because we're kind of topicless today, but the idea of getting in the ballpark and looking at what somebody else has done, like I'm reading the instructions and it's like, you got to use deionized water to mix the plaster cast. I don't even know what that is. I don't know. I can't get that at the milk run. I don't know. What is deionized water? I don't even know what that is. I was like, all right. You know, they didn't have deionized water when they when Leonardo da Vinci was doing lost wax casting. Hmm. So I'll just go forward without it. Like leaving out certain ingredients in the yeah. recipe yeah. and just hoping for the best. I always go back, in my mind, I always go back to before technology was running the show and in, in the big way. Deionized water. Who was the guy that was doing this plastering and said, you know what this needs? This needs deionized water. Who knows what that means? Who knows why it's there? Why do we need it? I'm going to get a million messages now. I'm going to say deionized <laughs> water was good for this or the other thing. Which is great because I still don't know what it's for. Call and on. I was like, I'm just going to go get water out of a, I'm going to go get water out of a jug. It's like if I get water out of a jug, it's at least it's not from my tap water, which is very hard. It's got a lot of calcium in it. <laughs> That's what deionized means, out of a jug. <laughs> so, Does it? You're good. No. <laughs> oh. And then it's like, mix this way, then vacuum. This is another thing. It's like, you must vac- like when I talk to Derek, Derek goes, are you going to vacuum the bubbles out? I go, I don't have a vacuum. I got a vacuum that you use on the floor. He's like, uh, well, you got to vacuum. And so I read the instructions and the instructions, like vacuum the, to this weight, mm-hmm. whatever. I was like, they didn't have a vacuum when they were doing it with Leonardo da Vinci. I said, I don't need a vacuum. And so I didn't use a vacuum. And then well, any but- bubbles is metal on, so I could always grind it off. So... Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, all those those things are just like refinements that happened, you know, to a process as technology caught up and people understood science around things, and you know, it, they probably make really small differences, really small improvements to a process that, yeah, you're right, are not necessary, but will they're refinements that will give you the best possible result. So, Bob, you're telling me my casting's probably going to work out. I, I assume it will work out. Because those I refinements think. are just little tiny incremental refinements. Yeah, I think so. I mean, think about it. Like, I don't know why you need deionized water. Right. But there's there's chemically or electrically something happening there at a really small scale that affects something. Oh, oh, and then it says spray with bubble reducer. I was like, okay, what, what, what is bubble <laughs> reducer? Where do I get bubble reducer? They don't have that it's, at home, it's people. It's next to the blinker fluid. At the- yeah. <laughs> 
So it's like, but, bubble, but spray it with bubble reducer 30 seconds before you submerge in the, I'm like, wow, I, 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 I'm just going to do it and see what happens. Well, and yeah, I mean, I agree with you that I think, you know, it will work out one way or another. And that's what we all do. We, we don't, and people get mad at, at least me, I'm sure they get mad at you in the comments and stuff too, about like, well, why didn't you just look this up? Why didn't you follow all of the scientific papers written around this process? <laughs> right. Because that's, that's not interesting to me. I just want to give it a shot and see how it turns out and then figure out what to do differently you know, next time. This is something a lot of people might not realize, especially those guys in the comments that are like, why don't you just, why didn't you just? It's a lot of times we're juggling so many things. At least I know I am. I'm juggling so many things, literally managing fans, walking, uh, you know, contacting me and, and talking to people and my locals that want to stop by and talk and all these things. And I'm like, okay, this is the window for me to do the, the casting. I had no time to do any research. I just know from my basic knowledge, this has to happen, that has to happen, that has to happen. I'm in the middle of doing it, learning it in the moment. I'm like, wow, I should have read this two weeks ago so I can get bubble reducer, but whatever, here I am now. And so the point I'm making is, is like, I know I spread myself too thin to be able to do a lot of this research. And to be perfectly honest, when Aaron was around, Aaron would do all these things. Aaron would say, oh, you need bubble reducer. I ordered it. It's coming tomorrow. Like he would like look at the instructions and know what I would never read and just take and handle it. And uh, so now that I'm kind of just on my own, I, I just wing it again, which is what I've always done. So I feel yeah, like I mean, uh, I, I'm sort of the same way, but it's more about timing where like oh tomorrow i want to do that thing and then oh i'm missing a couple things that's going to take like four days to get here because i can't get this at home depot so and then that thing either gets not the treatment it should or it just gets put on hold for another two three months because i had the i had i wanted to do it right then and there and then i didn't have the thing so you know it's interesting i didn't even think about this in relation to what we're talking about, but I've had a different experience with this yesterday. So typically, uh, I've been the exact same way where like, I want to do it right now or I have to do it, you know, tomorrow or the next day or whatever. So I'm just going to order the thing that seems to make the most sense or I'm going to use what I have on hand or whatever and just like, just do it. And so I've had this idea um, for a thing that I want to build that requires two electric motors and a bunch of other electronics and mechanical stuff. And like, it's a, it's a bigger idea for me. And it's been floating around for a while. And typically, in the past, my process would have been like, I'm going to go buy the cheapest motors I can find. And then, and, and I'm just going to order them. And then when they get here, I will figure out how to make them work. And I will have to work around the fact that they are not the correct thing. But I'll just do it because that's fun. So with the changes with I like to make stuff, lately one of those things the intentional changes is having more time to think through things completely and plan and figure out a better way to do something rather than just having to get it done and so I'm like actively fighting against that thing that that pattern that I've set up for myself mm-hmm. not that I still don't like doing things on the fly but there's a lot of things I've never done simply because I don't have the time so I'm trying to make the time so yesterday yeah. I spent about I don't know, 45 minutes. I thought you were going to say about eight minutes. (laughs) I spent two and a half minutes researching. (laughs) Now I spent about 45 minutes researching and looking at different motor options that would be the right thing. And I found along the way a bunch of things I don't understand about motors. And instead of just being like, oh, well, guess I'll never understand that. Bye. I like wrote down the words that I didn't understand. And then I went and spent another 10 minutes Googling, how is this thing? How do you you know, translate wattage to horsepower to get a, a clear idea of what these motor, motors mean between my understandings and things like that. And it was, and I didn't buy any. I spent all that time researching, trying to understand, trying to pick the best ones. And I got to the end of that time and said, I don't have the right answer yet. So I'm just not going to buy it, which is probably going to make the whole thing take even longer and whatever. But it was an interesting change for me that I kind of liked. And I think I won't always do that, but uh, it was nice to be able to spend the time just trying to, like, get a better picture of the right Mm. path forward rather than just, like, jumping in, you know. 
I think it's a balance for me. It's going to be a balance, but it's a nice change. So yeah, This is so funny. We didn't even plan this topic, but the other day I was at the hardware store looking around. I go shopping sometimes just for things I don't know I need, and so I'm just, I'm in the, <laughs> I happen to find myself in the weed whacker aisle, and I have a weed whacker. I think my weed whacker is an Echo. And I bought it a few years ago. It was a gas-powered. And I, am I the only one in the world that buys weed whacker string for the weed whacker, and then you go to use it, and then the string's gone. Instantly, the string's gone. I have a million things to weed whack on, on up here. I mean, I live on about I live on about three acres. I mean, the property's 40, but I weed whack in and around like two acres of like living space. Otherwise, weeds just take over. The string immediately disappears. And it's the most frustrating thing because I spent half the time trying to wire the, the, the spinny part with some weed whacker string. And I was in the store the other day and I found by Still, the chainsaw company Steel, they have a weed whacker head, which looks like a lawnmower blade, but it's plastic and it's like polypropylene plastic and it's got two, two it looks like a, a blade that would be on a drone, but big. I was like, hmm. well, that's interesting. And, I, and it comes with the spinny head and everything. I was like, well, I know I don't own a still, but I'll make it work. <laughs> and it was like 20 bucks. I'm like, for 20 bucks, I'll take my chances. And I got home and I thought I'd take, I'd put, I'd take the other thing off. It took me a few seconds to get it off. And then I look at it and I'm, it absolutely not in 100 years will fit. Right. But in my head, I'm like, okay, that's a challenge. Now I got to come up with a reverse thread thing with a stem that's brass. I don't want to sacrifice the one that's on there in case I never figure this out. So I got to come up with a reverse thread stem thing that's three inches long that'll pull this steel stack plastic thing together to spin on that little shaft that sticks out of my echo it's like a little nub that sticks out spinny bolt thing and i was like if i would have opened my phone up for three minutes i would have figured out that this probably already exists for this brand and i wouldn't have i would have just bought it online it's like (laughs) too lazy now it's going to give me something to do but i'm welcoming the challenge i welcome the challenge to try and figure out how to machine that complicated part it's just a little stem but the thread's reversed, and that's the problem. I might have to go mm. online and buy a th- reverse thread tap because it's a small. It's like a, almost like a. It's like a, three eighths bolt in reverse. So instead hmm. of spending twenty minutes and twenty bucks to go get the right thing, you're going to spend hours <laughs> and hundreds of dollars to <laughs> modify your current one. I love it. But I'm going to learn a thing or two. But you're going to learn a thing or two. Yeah. Yeah. And what I definitely won't learn is to go look it up next time. Because I'm just going to be like, now I can figure out anything. I never have to read the instructions. It's just going to reinforce my laziness. <laughs> Even better. It's funny, though, because that's not laziness. Yeah. I don't know no. what it is, yeah. but it's, that's it's, not it's, the right word. It's, it's stubbornness. Really it's, it's stubbornness. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's not wanting, it's not being in the right mood to take in new knowledge. Did you ever realize that? Like you're yeah. not in the right mood. Another example, last night I, I got this hmm. thing. I think I told you guys I bought a soft topper for my truck. It's like this fold-away thing, and winter's coming. My truck always fills up with snow. So I bought a thing to cover the top. But I, I got this. It's like a camper-looking thing. I bought it. I don't have a deal with them or anything. And uh, I open the instruction. I pull all it out. I'm like, first thing I'm like is, that all fits in that box. It's one thing I couldn't believe. There's little boxes on my porch. I'm like, maybe that's only half of it. But everything was in there. I was amazed how they were able to get it all packed together these tubes that's these aluminum tubes that have like a one-way snap so that sells in a bunch of little parts and then you snap the tubes together and it comes the length of the bed of the truck and blah 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 blah. but i perused this packet of information i was like do i have to really read this it's like if you want color pictures go online i was like i i uh, i kept like kept looking at Hmm. the thing and like struggling whether to open it up and read it and going back to the pile of things going okay this must snap into this. Okay, this must snap into this. This makes sense. Okay, this snaps into this. And there was one bit of evidence that said this is the front driver's side, and that sets up the whole orientation of the object once, once all the pieces start snapping together. So I hardly looked at the instructions. And the, the last thing I did is this big, giant piece of canvas that has to snap into everything. And I snapped it all in, and then I went to open it up, and it was completely 180 degrees. That annoyed me because the way mm. I did look at the picture in the book and it says, snap this here. And I figured they must have rolled it up for that to be the first part that snaps into what they're telling me in the instructions. There's no way they didn't, but they didn't. So it like rolls up, like for instance, like I show you, like I rolled up a piece of paper and then the leftover part 
So that's how it comes out of the package. And in the instructions, it's like, snap this to the front of the thing. I'm like, oh, this must be the way they set it up. Yeah. All they would have had to do is roll it up this way, and then it would have been in the right orientation. Anyway, so I'm out there in the middle of the night trying to turn this eight by eight piece of canvas around without getting pinched in this apparatus while my headlight lamp is flickering and turning off in the middle of the night. But long story short, if I would have read the instructions and it would have said, make sure you do this and make sure this part is and the logo is over there, you would have known. But so, now I know. I could put it I could anybody with a soft top would come over, I put it together in eight minutes. <laughs> it's it's interesting. I've been while you're saying that, I'm trying to figure this out. There's there's a there's a misnomer or a misunderstanding here about the thing that you just described. Man, I cannot put words to this. So thinking back to the comments that we often get, and I'm not complaining about comments, but just one of the, the ways people react to seeing you figure something out on your own rather than reading the instructions or rather than doing research or whatever. One of the reactions people have to that is, well, why didn't you just go look this up? Which is absolutely valid. Yeah. I'm not dogging on that, sure. But there's something in at least the three of us or myself that says, I would like to understand it rather than be told. I would like right. to have a more intimate, a deeper knowledge, understanding of how a thing works, what the intention was, rather than just, here is the behavior that you should follow, and this is how it will be accomplished. Both of those things are great. Both of those things have value. But it's weird that two people can't see the, they, you know, that we're not aligned on, like, which one of those is better in any given situation. Mm-hmm. There's there's some thing there that I don't really know how to describe, but it's almost like, like you're talking about the, the thing at the store with the, the weed whacker. There's something about the consumption of information versus that same time applied to understanding. Mm-hmm. And it says something about like what you value, I think a little bit. Not again, not that either one of those things are wrong, but I think if somebody values productivity, moving forward, getting things done, then reading the instructions, doing the research is absolutely the fastest way to get to that thing. So maybe that's attached to Honestly, I think for me something. it's a little bit of ego. It's like I just built a pool table. I could figure out how to put mm. a plastic set of bars on my truck without looking at the instructions. And it's it's a challenge. It's a puzzle. Interesting. Okay. You know, so I mean, I'm only I'm I'm I don't I'm not in the moment going. I'm so smart I can figure this out. But just <laughs> Monday morning quarterbacking it, I think to myself. Right now, I'm thinking partly because I I'm too stubborn or lazy, or whatever you want to call it, to look at this packet of instructions and go through every little detail. Yeah. I just I look at the pictures and when I see what the, I'm like, okay, I see how that relates to that. Okay, that's all I need. I don't need to read yeah. any of this. Reading oh, is the that. biggest okay, barrier really, for me. And it is for me too. Because it, 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 when I'm in a making mindset, I don't want to read anything. I feel like my brain switches to a different mode. So if the instructions are wordy, I feel like it's going to take me even more time to figure out how to put something together. That's true for me too. And huh. when I, so I just, just show me pictures. That's just why show I me pictures. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I, I mean, I guess I do skim through things like I, not necessarily when I read, well, maybe even when I read like fiction or whatever, I, I do think I, I skim. I don't really soak in all the words and try to get a clear picture. I look for highlights. I look for the things that are, you know, like if you're looking at instructions for putting something together, my eyes are looking for the size of screw in the description. That's the thing that I actually need out of this sentence mm-hmm. is which screw do I pick up or whatever. I hadn't thought about that. It's why that reading I, is kind of a barrier to that. It's why I always prefer a video to written instructions. So if there's a hmm. video on how to put this thing together, I'm going to go straight to that. I'm going to skip the first two minutes, all the filler, and I just want I just want the meat. <laughs> I, I, I'm remembering a challenge I had last week. So I bought a used camera from a friend. It's like a Sony 5. It's like a studio camera. You could see it in my leather video because I got frustrated with it. I just put it on the table. And last week I made a video of me making some things in leather. And it's sitting on the table in the background. So I hardly used it since I bought it about six months ago. And I said, let me get into this camera. Let me figure this camera out. <clears throat> 
And <clears throat> I couldn't figure out how to watch the clips back. There's no play button on it. There's no button with a little triangle like a YouTube symbol anywhere on the camera. And I'm like, am I losing my mind? Is this camera not, is it such a professional camera that it's not meant to have playback? <laughs> and I go to a YouTube video and I'm watching YouTube videos from five years ago on this camera where everyone's talking, it's the most advanced camera, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I just keep Googling how to play back in the camera. And nobody has a direct thing on how to play it back. And I'm searching in YouTube. I'm not searching on the internet. So in YouTube, I'm finding guys. So one guy did a whole review on the camera. And at the very end, he goes, oh, to watch your clips back, hit the button that says thumbnails. I, and a million years, like, why would it say thumbnails? Like, it, to me, it never meant the word playback. And when you click thumbnails, all the thumbnails for all your clips pop up. And then you could scroll through it with the navigation button and play back. Hmm. That was drove me insane. That was like 45 minutes of me. And then when I Googled it, just out of curiosity, I Googled it in Google. The instruction page for that camera popped right up in a PDF. And it says, hit the clips button <laughs> to, for your playback. So if I would have looked and not try to resort to just YouTube, but if I would have just resorted to Google information page i would have found my answer really fast okay so that brings up a really interesting thing uh ux design user interface design is way more important in all sorts of stuff than people realize and in mm -hmm. the case of that camera it was poorly done oh, because yeah. nobody in their right mind would think thumbnail means playback even though like i see how they got there but that's yeah. not where you would go and then first, at right? that same camera if anybody has it i'm going to complain about something else it says it has iris, auto, manual, and the switch, it's like switch, click, boom, boom. Like there's no, it's like, I don't know how to put it into auto. I don't know how to put it into manual. Because there's a switch and a button and it's an auto, like there's too many buttons close together. I don't know what flip is supposed to indicate something else. But go ahead. I got to well, read the anyway, instructions. So in, in, the camera, in the case of the camera, that was poorly done. The, the user interface design, user experience, sorry, I said UX. User experience is poor whereas in the topper for your truck that you were talking about you knew from some indications which piece to pick up without reading the instructions how they were supposed to go together just from the design of the thing and that's good ux that's where you get an ikea thing and you don't even have to follow the simple well-designed instructions to explain it because it's obvious enough the flow the packaging the way that the pieces are labeled or whatever makes it easy to do that so it's interesting when you take that and you apply it to products because it makes products easier to use, easier to understand. But there's no way to do that for like a... You, hmm, you can't design a user experience for a process. Like a like the molding and casting thing, going back to the bell. How would you design a user experience for a process that somebody's trying to learn that's not a product? How would you... Maybe that's what we do. I think Maybe that's what that's we what do, yeah. video thing. Huh. I don't have a plan here or a full thought. I'm just thinking through yeah, this in we the distill moment. Distill it. Well, I distill it in fast forward video. Interesting. Distill it. Distill it. I like the word distill. It. Takes, I don't know what that means yet. <laughs> Too lazy to look it up. I'm waiting for someone to just tell me what it means. Yeah. They'll call you. I'm sure somebody will. Just find his number <laughs> in the back of the uh, the birdhouse kit. D, D, D period, ionized is going to call me, tell me what he's all about. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting, though. I guess that is kind of what we do, is we try to, at least what I do, I try to do, is to simplify the process down to the bare essentials in, the, in like the most easy-to-understand way. When people ask me for opinions or, or my, my, my advice on editing, I say, only film and show changes in material or the process mm -hmm. only edit out anything that's looks boring on camera anything when material literally changes one mm -hmm. piece of wood becomes two pieces of wood this piece of wood gets attached to that piece of wood this piece of metal goes from a flat piece to a bend only show those key moments you said something like eight years ago that kind of set the right tone for me is early in early out Oh yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. That's true too. Yeah. yeah, I read that in a script writing book yeah. by Sid Mead, uh, uh, or uh, who's the other guy? It's a different guy, but long. Uh, 
yeah, you just trust the audience. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing. When when YouTubers say, I'm going to pick up this hatchet and I'm going to cut this wood. And the wood's going to get cut and the wood's going to split. I'm going to show you how to do that. <laughs> Come out to the barn with me. The video could open up with the wood hitting, getting hit by the axe and go, well, I just split that and this is how I did it. That's mm-hmm. a more interesting video. Yeah. Speaking of filmmaking, that interesting. totally stills the information off topic. And um, Bob, uh, I'm curious to know if you've watched and have an opinion of this movie. But I've been really into David Lynch lately. I've been like watching all kinds of interviews and and um, some of his, his documentary and, and classes and so on. Like, you know what? I'm gonna go watch every single David Lynch movie. And I tried to watch Dune the other night. Whew! I the original the, Dune? the original Dune. Yeah, not from yeah. 1980. Yeah. Four eighty-five, and um, whew, uh, I fell asleep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> boy, did I sleep well. Yeah, boy, did I sleep well. Yeah. Do you have a? Uh, have you seen it? Do you have you watched it? And I know of all- I've seen parts of it. Yeah, I've never actually seen that whole. I saw the new Dune, but um, okay. I never watched it. I never had enough interest to get through very much of yeah. it. So he um, he has a philosophy now with his art. Um, which is all about if 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 he is making something, he gets final cut. Means he gets the final say because he does um, paintings and sculptures and filmmaking and and whatever. And he always gets final cut. He gets final say of how it looks, and it all comes from that movie because he did not get final cut in Dune, and it was he oh, disowned really? himself from that movie. And there was other disasters that happened, and it's just, it's interesting interesting story and it's made me really want to watch it but man i had a i had a tough time with it there's a few movies like that that you know are i don't know cult classics or whatever people love them they are important i I should air quote important but then you watch them and you're like oh boy (laughs) (laughs) it's like i mean 2001 is one of those Mm. that i totally understand why it's important kubrick's great there's some really beautiful, really interesting, really different shots in that, but good grief, what a boring <laughs> What a slow, long, uh, it's like a slog to get through 2001. Mm. Mm. But great book, though, by the way. All right. Does that mean you anyway, have to read it? Yeah, yeah. It takes time. You have to be kind of still. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So uh, anyway, I think this is really interesting that, you know, talking about how we we figure out the the part of, of process or being productive that we like that is different between different people. And I, not that we need to necessarily have a name for things or, you know, like y- you are this way, you are that way. But I really like figuring out the differences between how people like understand sure. things or, or consume things because it gives you a better understanding of how somebody else may do it differently than you do. And just us talking about this has already made me a little more empathetic to the comments that we've gotten in the past about like, well, why don't you just, and now I'm understanding that that person and I just have a really different process for, or, or a, a different end goal in doing something, you know? And that's not mm. good or bad. It's just, it's just different. Whereas to me, it sounds like they're trying to make me feel dumb for not just doing the research. But the research is not the point for me. Mm-hmm. It would be for them, and I get that. It's just not for me. So, I don't know. That's interesting to me. Yeah, everything's a puzzle. Yeah. Did, uh, since we didn't have a topic... Did anything come in through Twitter while you were asking or through Discord or anything? I sent you guys a couple of texts. Um, I got... My text so my buddy Jonathan on my Discord said, if you had an extra $20,000 to spend on whatever you wanted for your business, what would you spend it on? And I've been kind of thinking about this and I'm pretty mm. I'm pretty lucky. I've got, I've got the tools that I need to make most of the things that I want to make. And... I think if I had $20,000 just and, and I had to go towards the business, I think I'm going materials. I think I, w- I would really love to have a stash of wood, uh, 
walnut and I would spend I'd spend fifteen thousand dollars on materials, acrylics and, and woods and fabrics and stuff like that. And then I would save the last five thousand for a storage unit so I could keep that stuff in because I don't have a place <laughs> to put it. If the budget nice. was bigger, I would like to buy a woods and a wood miser and some help. <laughs> Cause that would be I, I, I watched Matthew Cremona's videos. I'm like, man, that is so cool. I, I'm so yeah. jealous that he gets to take the tree and make flooring out of it. You know, he, he, he mm-hmm. I'm like from a live living tree to its final destination in, in his home that he's building. That is so cool to me. I've been contemplating, I've been pricing, and right now is not a good time to buy anything, but I've been pricing a sawmill, different types of sawmills, like a Lucas sawmill, and there's other sawmills that... Mm-hmm. That are mobile, you know, under, under real, and everything would have to be financed. But if I had an extra twenty grand, I would put a down payment on the sawmill that I want. Hmm. Which I forget what the brand name is, but it has two blades, so you could, once you top off the tree and then you start from one side, you could just set your depth and you just cut a two by four, a two by four, a two by four, a two by four, or a six by one, or a six by one, a six by one. However, you decide to lay it out. Interesting. And it's really, really cool saw, but it's like sixty, seventy thousand dollars. So I'd use the twenty thousand as a down payment. Nice, I like that. Mm. I really saw. like the uh, the material. That's that's great because that would be really cool to just have a huge library of stuff yeah. of you know every color of acrylic, every. I mean, like having. Okay, here's probably what I would do. I would go to Ace Hardware. Or McMaster car, mm. and just buy like the aisle. <laughs> I want I want this aisle of every screw and every you know, nut buy, and every yeah, washer, I, I and I want that in my shop. I'd yeah, fasten all. Oh, just the whole the whole building. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that would be twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, I mean that would be amazing to just have that hardware library, a full not you know mm-hmm. we can kind of limit do like a limited you know M5 to M8 and like all the whatever, but. Yeah. To have all of it there. Tractor all the time. supply, by the way, is a really good aisle for nuts and bolts. If you live near a tractor supply, you buy buy with the weight. Yeah, yeah. Mm. They have they have metric and and hard bolts and various grades of hardness. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, it's I always, I always think I always go shopping for that thing, there. but no, go to tractor supply. It's done better. Oh, you just throw it in okay. a bag and Ace, weigh it. Yeah. Wow. Ace is okay, but Ace has so many other things which kind of bog you down. They have like little brass screws and clips. So, I mean, one is good for more in the minutia, but for practical go-kart axles and stuff, they sell it all. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. (laughs) Okay. I see. Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense. Tractor tractor supply is probably more of the the functional, like, replacement part kind of thing, whereas... Yeah. And And if you go down the tractor parts aisle, you can buy sprockets and chain. And hubs. Mm. So if you have a 5 8 shaft, this is not a commercial for them, but it's a good resource. If you have a motor with a 5 8 shaft and it needs a certain size pulley, you can buy the the hub of the shaft size and the pulley that you want, and then you weld them together. It makes so much sense that I, I, I see farmers as like the original makers. Because when you work on a mm-hmm. farm and something breaks, you have to be able to fix it right then and there. Because that is your your whole livelihood, and then a place like Tractor Supply, and there's other ones around here that kind of do the same thing. That there's just these parts that you can get to make and fix and modify th- those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the most part, now new tractors are connected to the internet. You know, right, right. You got to use your app. The... <laughs> you can't drive oh. your tractor without loading the app. Yeah. So let's flip that question around, uh, or I guess flip our answers around. So, David, you and I both said materials. Jimmy, you said a tool. Flip it. Jimmy, what's a material or a set of materials that you would get if you had $20,000? I'd buy brass and sheet stock in various materials and profiles if I was going to buy materials. Having profiles is really... When I say a profile, the other day Patrick was making a shelf bracket and he says, do we have three-quarter inch solid steel? I said, I know I have it somewhere. I don't know where. So he ended up finding it over at the other shop, like in the junk pile. But to have a rack of all different profiles, 
in steel. Wood I could always make, it's easy, but to have profiles in steel, aluminum, and brass would, would be pretty cool. And 20,000 would get me a nice pile that would fill the corner of a room and not take over the place. Nice. Okay, David, I, what about a tool? I think or tools? I, I, I think it would be more in the metalworking stuff. Um, uh, breaks, things to bend, bend metal. I just got a, a, a plasma cutter. It's not completely a CNC plasma cutter. It's not set up all the way yet. And I had to get something small because I don't have the space. But it would be awesome to be able to have a dedicated drill press and brakes and ways to cut metal and and just various things like that yeah hmm yeah i had thought when you were saying that i had thought about metalworking as well and i think that would absolutely be useful but then i immediately thought if space was not an issue because you know obviously if we buy these things i gotta go somewhere if space were not an issue i would want a giant paint booth like one of those yeah you're right like you could just pull a car in and, and it's like it has the right air and has the right light and has the right mm. heat and all of that like that would be man I'm cha- I would take advantage I'm of changing that. my I'm changing my answer not a paint booth but I would love to do more bigger um, uh, powder coating I would love to have like a like mm. what uh, you, you talked about this last week but a, a, a place uh, like a big oven and the powder coating materials and the space to do it and the ventilation that's i think that's where i want to go finishing Mm. okay yeah nice i finished my powder coat thing that i was talking about last week is that coming is that coming out this weekend yeah yeah hopefully if we can get the video done but yeah it turned out really awesome and it's success it worked well it worked great yeah yeah it works great it's funny though because like it's a rack that holds two infrared heaters so that I can powder coat big objects but I had to powder coat the rack with those heaters <laughs> without the rack to hold the heaters uh-huh. and so I got to a point I'm like wait a second how do I do this <laughs> and uh, so just it was funny because I, I ended up taking one of the heaters and I clamped it to the side of a metal table that I built years and years ago so that it was like off the ground but still kind of at the right height mm-hmm. and then I just rolled my rack that I'd powder coated up to it and heated it and cured it or whatever you call that a little section at a time so i had to do like the front and then i flipped it around to the back and then i lowered the heater and did the bottom and, and all the in-between stocks the... melted together beautifully yeah because i overlapped you know yeah. like i made sure that i was yeah, reheating okay. areas That's something i never thought you could do i wouldn't have thought yeah that. well and, and i since then have seen videos I actually did a little research <laughs> after uh-huh. the fact and i saw how people are using you know it's got to be like 400 degrees and you can do that with Lots of things. So uh, I saw somebody using a torch, like some some sort of a butane, like big round torch to heat a, a large area on top of a table. So they rolled something up to it. And, you know, there's a bunch of ways that you can hmm. heat something enough to get it to, you know, to what I don't, it's not curing. I don't know what it's called. Melting, baking, squishing, powder coating, whatever. Um, there's a lot of ways to do it. It's just a matter of doing it efficiently and doing a big section at a time. That's the, the thing. Like I even saw one thing where you could preheat. I can't remember the situation now, but you could preheat a piece of metal. You get it hot. or No, it was glass. That's what it was. They took a, a um, mason jar. They put it in an oven heated it up to 400 degrees and then pulled it out and sprayed powder coat on it. And the material was so hot that as the powder landed on it, it fused. Interesting. That's the word. It fused. uh, That's, uh, that's kind of cool. I've done the, um, I don't know if you've guys seen the, using the powder coating powder in your laser where you, you run a board in your laser you engrave your words or whatever your image that you're putting on there. So then it leaves a little um, indentation and then you fill that mm-hmm. with the powder coat and then you go over again with your laser and it gets hot enough where it melts the powder coating material into that engraving. And then you have a color. What? Yeah, I've, I've, I've done it. Uh, I've had, it was okay. It wasn't, it wasn't perfect, but it's, I think it's something that can be perfected if you, spend the time wow yeah interesting that seems like masking that surface would probably go a long way in getting a good result 
Well, the, if as long as you, you 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 don't have to mask it so much. As long as you engrave and then don't move your piece, fill that with the powder yeah. coat, and then the laser is accurate enough where it'll it'll just heat up where where that powder is. So when you did that, when you tested it, what was the like? Why wasn't it? I used because um, I got the powder coating material from Harbor Freight, and they at at that time they only had black and white so i got white and there was some like burn edges so it wasn't like a pure beautiful white and i'm wondering if like a darker color like a blue or a red would, would look better in there gotcha i see you could also do multiple coats um True. i saw i saw a thing yesterday where someone was powder coating a um i don't know a piece for an engine and they did orange, but they split it. They masked half of it, and they did the unmasked part white and then sprayed both parts orange, and they were showing the difference of having an undercoat of white. And it was crazy how much difference it made with orange, you know, mm. yellow, red, any color like that. So much brighter and more vibrant with an, a white undercoat. Interesting. So, yeah, it make a big difference. But anyway. All right, you guys got anything else That's- for this week? That's good for not having a topic. No. Yeah, yeah that's good. Stop we being can lazy. ramble for hours. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters while you guys think of something to, uh, oh. to recommend. Shoot. <laughs> you got to do yeah. that. So, and I actually have two things to recommend this week. <laughs> uh, you guys will be proud of me. I actually watched YouTube for the first time in a really long time this week. Found two cool things. Big thanks to everybody that supports us on Patreon. It helps. It matters. It makes the show happen, and we're very grateful uh, to everybody over there. We had a new a new patron this week. I don't think this was a joke, but his name is Papa Chad. <laughs> He's a new Chad. What? One of the Chads. Are you kidding me? Joined uh, to help us out, and so thank you, welcome. Uh, but you know, just wanted to point that out because we have an inordinate amount of Chads in the list. He's right next to Chad McIntyre which is not even one of the chads that I've talked about before, which is just kind of weird. Anyway, big thanks to everybody that helps us out over there, especially our top supporters and our new supporters. Uh, but the top ones that I want to you know, call out every week to because they go above and beyond. Big thanks to Crabtree Creative, The Web Ranch Woodworks, Michael Manegin, Warren Works, Stu Morrison, The New Janky Workshop, Scott Orham, Sean Beckner, Odin Leather Goods, Rich at Low and Designs, Chads, Custom Creations, Chad for Man Crafting Works by Solo, Albers Woodworks, and Corey Ward. I'm texting with Sean Beckner this second. Oh. Is that why you're not paying attention to the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm drawing. I'm taking ideas because I was thinking about stuff we could talk about in the after show. And I got a, a, a TV show formulating with pretty interesting things. And, and I'll talk about it in the after oh, show. So I just teaser. reminded me to write down because I, I have a meeting with a producer in a couple of days. And I didn't realize I didn't do any of my homework. <laughs> so I started doing my homework just now. Because oh. something you, one of you guys said reminded me that I need to do my homework for that project. So that's gotcha. it. Oh, uh, I want to point this out real quick too, because I forgot to mention it earlier. The Louisville Maker Fair is this weekend, which I don't know the date of that, but it's whatever tomorrow is if you're listening on Friday. The 16th of September in Louisville, down uh, near the University of Louisville campus. It's, it's on campus somewhere. But uh, it's a good time put on by first build in the area um i should be there my plan is to be there some point in the afternoon in between soccer games i know josh is going to be around not sure who else uh from this area but anyway if you're in the area go check it out make affairs are cool all right what do you guys have dune 1984 dune or 85 <laughs> the thing that you couldn't say way through yeah. uh um i am going to try to f- go back and, and watch it and pay attention just to torture myself, I guess. So that's not my pick. I'm going to go with Make with Miles. I know we've talked about him before. Oh yeah. He just did a, a collab with an artist YouTuber that I really like called 1000. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was really cool. So Make with Miles. Oh, I'm just thinking about podcasts. I'm, I, I think it was the one podcast that I hope there's always a new episode for. And lately it's been Sam... Morell and Mark Norman podcast called Are We Drunk? Are We Drunk Yet? I think it's called. Let me check. I thought I'd roll off the tongue. I don't remember the name exactly. 
Um, so I talked about it before, but it, it gets better and better because they just started doing it as a there was nothing to do during COVID, and it turns out it's actually a pretty good podcast. And what I can't type find of show that, is it? Is it's it just, just a podcast. Drinking it's until about, they pass out. No, it's it's a podcast where they drink, but it's really a comedy podcast about comedians, and they always have on a new comedian. We might be drunk, is what it's called. That's good. They always have on the the reason I like it is because every week they have on new comedians, in many cases that I never heard of, and they're the new generation of comedians. I came up with listening to all the comedians my brother came up with with like David Tell and Patrice O'Neill and uh, Greg uh, Greg he died I can't remember Geraldo. Name, but like Colin Quinn and yeah Greg Geraldo and that and all those guys and now these are like the next well there's other generations in between but these guys are like the next big batch of comedians that are that are going to be big names developing into big names and what's really interesting and I know I've talked about this before is that all these guys when there's so many to choose from, Netflix and these bigger distribution channels can't put everybody up. So because there was a bottleneck, they all started putting their own specials on YouTube. And the YouTube specials do better than anything else. And so now they don't even wait for a deal. All these comedians just produce an hour-long special and put it on YouTube. And they do really well. So there's so many great comedians on YouTube with 50, 80, 50, 50, 60, 70 minute sets that are really, really funny. Joe List is somebody that I only I've heard of through that podcast, and I never watched Joe List the other night. I watched two specials of Joe List. He's hilarious. So that's why I like it is because they they introduce a lot of new people to people that uh, that I never heard. So uh, it, it, it's so weird to see the evolution of stand up comedy. So you know, back mm-hmm. in you know the. 60s 70s and 80s you just had to go word of mouth and who was touring and 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 you know sometimes people would get on you know johnny carson or whatever and then comedy central comes out so then you get to see a lot more stand-up and then the satellite radio comes out where there's comedy channels where you can just listen to stand-up and and now we're at a point where it's it's youtube you just self-produce yourself it's so amazing yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, the same could be said working. for like music and yeah, yeah and all, the, yep. all this stuff. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I have two this week. One is just a, a handy video that um, it was from Jason at Fireball Tools about pro grinding. I can't remember exactly what it's called. I'll put a link to it. But he talks about how to get like a really nice looking grind on a you know a metal thing that you've welded, and it's not. I mean, it's basically an ad for these discs that he sells, I guess. But it was also useful because it showed me the effort, like the kind of three different ways you could go about grinding something and and the result you're going to get and how it is attainable to get a really nice, even, good-looking grind on a welded thing rather than just functional, you know. And I I never really go that to that length to get the finish – but seeing that you could and seeing how reasonable it is to do that kind of made me like want to try that and do I don't know it was interesting um, the other thing is totally random video that I found building Darth Vader's TIE fighter from cardboard so Jimmy uh, there's a movie called Star Wars <laughs> and in that movie there's a bad guy named Darth Vader mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Darth okay mm-hmm, and he's mm-hmm. he's a bad Even guy his and name he flies, sounds mean yeah, I know and he flies this ship Anyway, so this guy, I don't know who this guy is, some artist, but he makes this spaceship that is not quite full size. I mean, it's it fits in a room. It was some sort of art installation, but it's still huge. Like, it's as big as the room that I'm in right now. And he builds the entire thing out of cardboard, cut by hand. And as soon as I started watching it, I'm like, this dude needs a laser because it would just make so much easier for him to do this thing. But he cuts all this stuff by hand. The video is just a time lapse. And he builds up this incredibly detailed giant thing from cutting pieces and bending them and gluing them together. And it's just wild. It's all cardboard. And it makes no sense to me how somebody would take that time to make that. But And it looks like it, it wrecked. So it's in this room for the art installation. It's like kind of tilted, kind of on edge. It's missing one wing. And then there's a section of it that's kind of torn out. It looks like it, it crashed and you know got ripped open and stuff. It's really cool. It was it was impressive, but 
I've got a project that I've been thinking about doing for a while that would be not that big, but large. And I was trying to figure out what material I wanted to use for it. So it was lightweight. And I never really considered cardboard because it just didn't, I, I don't know why I didn't. But then seeing him do this made me go like, I should really try it in cardboard. Because I think that would be an inexpensive way to do it. It would be lightweight. If I screw up, which I inevitably will, it's not a big deal, you know. Um, and I've, for something a long time ago, we bought a stack of flat sheets of cardboard. Like it was like 40 of them or something. And they were maybe three feet square. And it was dirt cheap to get, you know, somebody just dropped off this big lump you line crap I, I have those too Again, okay yeah make boxes um, from them yeah so it's kind of a, a cheap way to have a whole bunch of that material to like mess up and learn with anyway so it was it was a good video because it inspired me to use the material a, a, a couple of years ago there's a there's a local place here where you can buy bulk sheets of cardboard and i did that and then I wanted to store a bunch in the attic and it wouldn't fit into the attic hole. So I had to cut them all in half to get them up there for future projects. And I did that all in the bandsaw. And that cardboard dust was the worst dust ever in, in, in the shop. So I still have all this cardboard that I want to do a, a big project with. And, but I know the next time I'm going to, I'm going to cut everything. I'm going to take the little bandsaw outside and, and, and cut it. Cause it was just, it was a nasty Nasty dust. Hmm. You know what's a real nasty dust? And it's only because it's something that I just wrote down. If you ever cut a book, do you ever take a book and cut it on the bandsaw? No. One of my students is a teacher. She teaches children, like first, second, third grade. And she found all these books at the Salvation Army, and she wanted me to cut them into the alphabet. So I cut A, B, C, D. So I cut like almost the whole alphabet out of this pile of books she got. And the sawdust from that was, the dust from hmm. that was just unbelievable it was horrible floated in the air it's gross protect yourself well one time we cut a whole bunch like a hundred pool noodles uh and sanded them on the end of them that was for the push pin no it was for the uh axe throwing the kids axe throwing thing oh wow and man when you sand a pool noodle that stuff goes everywhere. Oh, it like it floats really on the air, right? Yeah. It's nasty. Anyway. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Send some topics next week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank okay. you.